thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. For those of you who uh, haven't been coming for a while or are new, uh, we've been looking at a series on the Sermon of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' words, so Jesus' long discussion, if you like, or long uh, setting straight of the rules and encouraging of what's right and what isn't and putting things straight. Now, today I'm going to talk about love and hate and give and take, okay? So love and hate and give and take, okay? Love and hate are two words that we probably overuse, would you agree? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, we use them in the wrong situations and we use them for the wrong reasons. If I said to you now, when do you think you use the word love in the wrong way or in the wrong place? I'm sure lots of you would come up with an idea or an answer. Yeah? Um, I love Ros. Okay? That's appropriate. It should be. She's my wife. Okay? I love my kids. Again, should be appropriate. But I love ice cream and chocolate too. Anyone with me? Okay, it's not quite the same though, is it? What I act <laughs> better. Okay, Corey, we'll have to have some words. Probably what I actually really mean is I really like ice cream and chocolate. I, I, I actually appreciate them. Love isn't about ice cream and chocolate, I'm sorry. And hate is a word that I struggle with. You know, the, the word hate is a really difficult one, isn't it? And from a biblical perspective, the only things we should really hate are injustice and evil, okay? So Manchester United probably do come under that, uh, that banner. No, I'm not going to talk about football. Uh, it's too depressing. No, it's not. Um, but it certainly shouldn't be people. We should never, ever use the word hate actually to somebody who is made in God's image, Okay, the word hate, there was a song a few years ago that went like this. It said, hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like you. I don't actually think that made it any better, really. You know, hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like you. I think it pretty much means the same thing, doesn't it? As if it was different. But this morning, we're going to look at three sections of this mountain message of Jesus. We're going to look at three parts of it. And two of them are, you've heard it said, but. The third one is a piece of advice correcting hypocrisy, okay? So we're coming to the last of the, you heard it said, but. And then we start on the next little section. And all three of them are to correct things that had started to creep into the teaching of the day. All, th- all three of them, Jesus was correcting wrong teaching. In fact, all three of them are about radical, true living. Being radical. Being radical. We've already looked at this already when he said, if something causes you a problem, if your eye causes you to sin, pull it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus wasn't meaning literally, but he wants us to be radical. 
radical at dealing with problems and radical at living for him. First of all, it's about not resisting or paying double and loving your enemy. All are followed by examples of hypocrisy in giving, fasting and praying. And next week, Mark Curtis will be speaking on fasting and praying. So Jesus is challenging all of this over the next two weeks. So let's read what the Bible has to say. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42 is the first section. It says this. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, if we're being really literal, I could take that last verse and say, right, everybody, I'd like you to give me, but that's not what it's about. Okay. Before I go any further, you'll have seen a little bag that's been handed to me by Hattie Hoffin over there, and I'm sure she's staying there because she wants to see what happens next. Yeah, okay, now she's embarrassed. But last week, who was here last week? I commented on Theodore's tracksuit. And I said, oh, that's really cool, Theodore. Do you think they do it in my size? Okay. So by the end of the service, Mr. Timothy Hoffin had ordered this, okay? Now, I don't think, strictly speaking, this is a tracksuit, okay? So strictly speaking, they don't do it in my size. But last week was all about keeping promises. So if I don't keep a promise, then actually that's really wrong, isn't it? Setting the wrong example, would you agree? So, um, I think he's got them in like triple XL, I think, which is also quite offensive. <laughs> Am I right? Something like that. You weren't here, I listened to Paul. It was Joel. All kicked up. Oh, you listened. Oh, yeah, if you're not here, you can still listen. Yeah? That's a worry, isn't it? Okay. So, here we go. Hold on. Can you hold that, Sam? Okay, put your phones away. <laughs> uh, Chloe, especially you, that'll come out all the time. So can I just say, I keep my promises, okay? But we've just read, you've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Sadly, Jesus says we can't do that. Otherwise, Tim Hoffman would be in big trouble right now, okay? But a basic level... And I'm going to stay like this, so zone out from this bit, okay? I am going to be serious this morning and not just wear stupid clothes. You might say, Johnny, you wear stupid clothes most of the time. It's fine, but hey. On a basic level, Jesus says, you've heard it said, but then he says, 
You want one cheek? I'll give you two. You want one item of clothing? Give two. You want one mile? Give two. But again, the context of the message is really important. In all of these, you've heard it said, the context is crucial. Because a lot of us use this passage, you know, turn the other cheek, don't we? To almost say that you've just got to be walked over. But he's actually addressing incorrect teaching. And the first part is justice and how to get it. The first thing we're going to look at is justice and how we get it. Okay? So... It's not about being a doormat or being walked on. It's also, and this is really important, this is not about taking matters into your own hands. That's what Jesus is saying. It is not about taking things into your own hands. How often are we on the end of hurt or injustice and we look for the opportunity to get even? How often? How often do we feel that way? Or even just hold it in our hearts? Or even we say, I told you so. You know, I watched a video this week that Joel showed me. If you're ever around Joel and you want to see something funny, he's usually got hundreds of videos that he'll sit and show you for hours. And you can get lost in the world of the internet. But he showed me a video this week of a truck that had cut somebody up. And this truck had cut in, in America, and this truck was carrying about 12 portaloos. And this truck then went round the corner, and the man who'd been cut up was filming it, and he was going, shouting a load of abuse at this man who'd cut him up. And as it went round the corner, the portaloos started to tip off. And he's going, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's filmed this. And in the end, the whole truck falls over. And he was like, woo, yeah, celebrating as if it was the best thing that had ever happened. Just because somebody had dared to pull in front of him on a road. Now, that's a simple thing. But actually, we can all be like that, can't we? When we take it to another level... And it's something far more difficult than being cut up. Then it's awful. Or I can remember the story of a girl whose brother came to university at the same place as her. This isn't personal, by the way, so it didn't happen to me. But I can remember this story of this, this brother and sister who moved into the same house to share the costs. And the sister got really cross with how lazy the brother was. And he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't cook the meals. She was making every meal for him. So she decided for the rest of university life... Every meal she made for him would contain cat food. She made pate, she made pies, she made stew, she made lots of different things with cat food in regularly because she had a grudge and she was going to get even. She was going to take it personally and she was going to seek justice. So let's quickly look at each of the four situations that are mentioned in these verses. First of all, the slap. Joel. For those of you who weren't here last week, um, I, I ripped some duct tape off Joel's arm. He moaned about it all day. Okay, do you want me to do the other arm? Okay. <laughs> Just stand up, I'm not going to hit you, honest. Will you? That would be wrong on those verses, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm praying for forgiveness You're praying for forgiveness afterwards. afterwards. Okay, that's not how it works. I'm not going to hit him, okay? But it says, firstly, the slap. Jesus is saying, give up the right to personal physical retaliation, okay? The whole thing about the slap on the cheek, and this is why I'm demonstrating without the slap, and I can trust Joel, okay? Joel can trust me, can't you, son? 
says the man wearing a stupid outfit. Okay, if I was to naturally, I wouldn't, okay, don't get, so the social workers in here, isn't there? Um, uh, oh, she's actually not, she's in the crash, it's fine. Okay, and he's 24. You're 24, aren't you? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if I was to naturally slap Joel, okay, obviously I'm right-handed, so it would go like that, wouldn't it? That isn't what this is talking about, okay? It was a backhanded. If you're right-handed, it would be that, you see, okay? And that, that had meaning. It had significance. So actually hitting somebody, you've heard the phrase a backhanded compliment, yeah? It's a little bit of a slap. But a backhanded slap would mean I was hitting him on that side of the cheek, okay? So it was all about... <laughs> It was all about being backhanded. It was a huge insult. To go like that was a huge insult because it basically meant more than the violence. All right? So hold that thought. Thank you. That was just to demonstrate. You can sit down. What did he do that was worth clapping? You are sorry. You, you were holding yourself tight then as if you were going to do anything. Okay. But Jesus says, give up the right to personal physical retaliation. This is not about being a pacifist. It's not about, a lot of people have used this verse to say, oh, I can't join the army, or I can't build nuclear submarines because I, I can't fight. We've got to turn the other cheek. That is not what it's talking about. This is talking about personal physical retaliation. Give up your right to it, is what the Bible is saying. It's not about calling the authorities in a situation where there's a crime, because the law... In the Old Testament, the law allowed punishment to fit the crime, but not to go over the top. So this law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, was designed to restrain sin. It was designed to keep a lid on sin. Because, for example, there's the story of Dinah who was raped and, and, and taking it into their own hands... The brothers killed a whole bunch of men in a whole village as revenge. They went out and didn't just take an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. They went out and, and caused chaos. It often resulted in blood feuds in the ancient world. But the law that God brought restrained sin. It tried to put a level on what was possible so that people were restrained. Does that make sense? So Jesus is saying, you've heard it said... An eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. I say, actually, don't take it into your own hands. Don't take it into your own hands. Go to the courts. Because it always escalated and doesn't end well when you deal with it on a personal level. Would you agree? When you retaliate, it gets worse. Never gets better. And that's why Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. It's about a personal desire to fight and make matters worse. Okay? That's what he's saying here. The Bible teaches to resist evil and to not go along with evil, but this is about personally retaliating and instead dealing with it in the right way. So the slap on the right chink, as I say, was a huge insult. It was more about the insult than the violence. It was more about the fact that you were saying you are nothing. That's what it was saying. You are worthless. Let's go back. It was often used if someone was a heretic, if someone was teaching the wrong thing. A slap on the cheek, backhanded, was taught in that way. And we've already addressed that earlier in this series with the racket insult, haven't we? That we don't call something that is in God's image worthless. That's something that God says is worth. You know, every person in this room has worth. So to call somebody worthless is going against God. 
Or later on, it might be used in a situation where a family disowned a member for changing from Judaism to Christianity. So if you change from, from being a, a, a religious Jew to being a Christian, a follower of the way, the family would backhandedly slap you and say, we don't want anything to do with you. And so the idea is you don't take that into your own hands. It feeds into the teaching from the beginning of the Beatitudes of being blessed when you're persecuted for your faith. So Jesus is saying, give up the right to personal retaliation. Okay? When you're hurt, give up the right to personal physical retaliation. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. When? When he was being beaten. When he was being humiliated. Jesus' reaction was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Our attitude needs to be beautiful like his, to show his qualities and to spread light and be salt. Second thing, give your coat as well, yeah? If someone sues you for your shirt, give your coat. So this is saying not only hold on to your, get, get rid of your rights to, to personal reaction, get rid of your rights in, in some ways for your possessions. Hold on to your possessions lightly. Don't be so obsessed with stuff. Exodus chapter 22, verses 26 to 27. This is part of the law. It says, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. What else can they sleep in? Well, I've now got some new pajamas. Okay. You couldn't be sued for your coat, because the coat was your protection. It was what kept you warm at night. It was the thing that if you ended up on the streets, you could actually cuddle up in and snuggle up in and stay warm. It was the thing that kept you safe. So you couldn't be sued for your coat. Again, the law was for protection and not for oppression. It said you can be sued for this and that and the other. The coat was expensive. It was valuable. But Jesus is saying, don't worry too much about your possessions. If someone comes after you and they're intent on taking something, be generous and give them your coat. Because he's saying what you possess isn't as important as who you are. What you possess isn't as important as who you, who you are belonging to. Your stuff isn't as important as the saviour. Your stuff isn't as important as what you will inherit. I've got a big key mark down the side of my car. Who did it? No, that's not what it was. It didn't happen in the church car park. In fact, it just ha I don't actually know why it happened, but it's annoying. And every time I see it, I think, I have to pay to get that sorted. Tried tea cut. I've tried all those things. Doesn't work. And uh, I discovered a part of me was very cross and the cost it will put, cost me to put right. Yeah? Would you be cross if that happened to you? Yeah, yeah. I was cross. But I could lose focus of everything else in life and scour the CCTV outside where it happened and devote my life to getting that person back and scratching their car or scuffing their trainers or doing something that they don't like. The early church experienced this sort of persecution. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 32 to 35 says this, Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light, that's Jesus, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison. Are you ready? And joyfully 
accepted the confiscation of your property. <laughs> Joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. What did they have? They had Jesus. They had something far better. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Jesus says, don't let it be about personal insult. Don't let it be about personal possessions. Because if you hold on to them lightly, then your heart won't be as bitter and hurt or as easily damaged when something happens to them. Are we willing to let go of our stuff if it means the saviour becomes number one? Are we? Am I? <laughs> it's a challenge, isn't it? That's what Jesus is saying. Thirdly, be willing to hold on to your time and effort lightly. Okay? He says, someone asks you to walk one mile, go two. You've heard that saying, haven't you? Go the extra mile. The Bible is full of things you use in everyday language, if you didn't realise. Go the extra mile. The Romans could ask anybody they wanted to to carry their bags. Okay? So if you were going along and somebody, Romans were there, they could ask you to carry their pack. But they could only ask you to do it for a Roman mile. But they could ask anybody to do it and you had to do it. There was no option. You had to do it. And the Jewish, the Jewish people resented this. They didn't like this. They didn't like the fact that these Romans were in and told them what to do. They thought they were above that. But this is also probably how Simon of Cyrene ended up carrying Jesus' cross. Because they were, he was asked to by a Roman soldier and he had no option but to carry the cross of Jesus. If they wanted you to do it, you had no choice. And guess what? It would take effort. It would take time and it would be frustrating. Yeah? But Jesus says, are we giving our time and effort to the right things? If somebody asked you to go a mile and you're doing it begrudgingly, if somebody asked you to help with something and you're thinking, I'd really rather not, I've, got, I've not got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm down with the kids. Or at least Steph. That's fine. The saying, Jesus is saying, do we have an attitude where we give in a generous and loving way our time? You know, I quite like a game on my iPad. Okay? So, oh, I'm admitting it. It's a confession. I quite like, okay, I'm slightly addicted to a game on my iPad, okay? The, I could give you all sorts of excuses of how it's good for my brain activity. I turn 50 soon, and I know my brain, you know, I need to keep it active. That's right, isn't it, old people? Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> my, my dad tells me it's good to do crosswords and things. But, I, you know, it's good for my brain activity to do something, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah, thank you. So now you're all enabling me in my addiction. It helps me to unwind. That's a positive, isn't it? Yeah, my daughter's shaking her head. It does. It helps me to unwind. It has limited lives most of the time, so I can't stay on it forever, apart from when you get those little bonuses. But ultimately, is it the best use of my time? The problem is, Corey, because you said the thing before, I'm not going to listen to you. It isn't the best use of my time. It's not the best use of my time. I can make every excuse under the sun that it's something I want to do. Does it take away from what I should be doing? Maybe sometimes it does. However, 
There are sometimes when I look at people who ask for help and I can make a judgment call. Or if maybe if some church asks us for help, do we make that judgment call on our time? Do we say, that person's wasted my time before, I'm not going to give it again? Do we say, what's the point? I've already given my mile. I've already done my bit, thank you very much. Jesus says, if somebody asks you for one, do two. If somebody asks you for one, do two. Don't just go the one, go the extra mile. Without resentment, without expectation, without grumpiness, without bitterness, but with joy. That's what he's asking. That's what he's saying. And because of our sacrifice of time, it may be the one thing that shows Jesus. It may be the one thing that shows Jesus. Because Jesus made the time. Literally, he made time for all of us. Even if people are ungrateful, even if sometimes it's frustrating, even if people can be rude to us, how dare they? Jesus says, go the extra. Fourth thing in this little section, trust me, the last two are shorter. Okay, for those who are worried, I can see you worrying there. You know, the last two are shorter. Fourth thing, be willing to give up our rights to our finances. This requires discernment. First condition is to look after our family, but to be willing to share what we have with those that have not. Joe, Jesus offers the greatest retirement plan we could ever ask for. Jesus offers the greatest. He calls us to be willing to give where there is need. And that's what he says. Those four things in that passage, there's a lot in there, isn't there? I could have just done that. And I'm not going to go for ages on the next bit. But be willing to hold personally your retaliation. Be willing to hold personally the stuff that you own. Be willing to hold lightly to the things that are time-consuming. And be willing to go the extra mile. The last you've heard it said, Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This was totally wrong teaching. This is quite easy to suss out. The Old Testament law said, love your neighbor. Okay? Who's got neighbors? Because everybody needs good neighbours. That's what they say. It's finished now, isn't it? Who's got Put your hand up high. Who's got neighbours? Don't worry, we're not filming you. You're not going to be identified. Okay, put your hands up if you really, really like those neighbours. Oh, there's, there's a few people who are a bit unsure. Put your hands up if you've got some difficult neighbours or you've ever had difficult neighbours. I can't put my hand up because I live next door to my brother-in-law or my mother-in-law, so I'm not allowed to, to admit I've got difficulties. The problem was they saw their neighbours as being the people that were around them. So the people they went to the synagogue with, the people they went to the tabernacle with, the people they went to the temple with, the people that they were close to. So they'd started adding in, you love your neighbour and hate your enemy. Hate your enemy. Because actually we don't have to love them. We need to love those that are close to us. And Jesus taught them and said, your neighbor is literally anybody you could come across. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Your neighbor is anybody. Anybody who lives on this planet is your neighbor. 
even those that were despised welcomed their friends. The tax collectors of the day were seen as the, the scumbags because they took everybody's money. Maybe there's a similar feeling today. But the tax collectors were seen as the, the despised people. And Jesus said, even they welcomed their friends. So as Christians or as followers of Jesus, that's easy. That's easy. Even our friends sometimes do our heads in. Even our families sometimes do our heads in. Don't look at each other because it'll start a war. Sons and daughters until married were expected to follow after their fathers. And actually they were expected to do whatever their father's career or character would be. That's what they would be expected to become, especially for the boys. So if your dad was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. If your dad was a builder, you became a builder. If your dad was a, a priest, you'd be part of that priesthood. That's how it worked. So who's our father? We're supposed to follow in his footsteps. We're supposed to follow his character. We're supposed to do what he does. And that's what we're being asked to. You know, God the Father sends rain to all and sun to all. Why does the sun and rain come? To help grow, no matter who you are. And so Jesus said the sun signs on the righteous and the righteous. Jesus loved the whole world, even if and even when they don't love him. Jesus doesn't stop loving. And what does it finish with? The aim is be perfect. <laughs> there you go, guys. There's your lesson for today. Be perfect. Away you go. But the thing is, in his eyes, we are. We're holy. If we are his children, he sees us through Jesus. He sees us as, as, as forgiven, as sons and daughters, as people who are holy. It's a high aim, but it's unable to attain unless you've got his presence in you. We can attain it because Jesus has already got there and through him. Again, Father, forgive them while being beaten and put to death. Finally, and everyone breathes a sigh of relief, Jesus starts to address some of the hypocrisy. And as we look at our gift day today, it's appropriate that the first of these addresses is given. Matthew 6 verses 1 to 4 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When we give, do it without expectation. Do it without sounding the trumpet. Look how good I am. Do it without announcing it to anybody else. And today, as a church, I wanted to just explain a couple of things. We don't bang on about collecting. We don't bang on about tithing. Some churches I know do a, do a collection talk every week. We don't want to do that. We have people in our church who haven't got control of their own money sometimes. We have people in church who haven't got any money. So it can't be about giving of every little thing that you have. But as a church, we welcome those that want to tithe. What was tithing? Tithing was giving 10%. What was the purpose of tithing? And tithing was the minimum that was expected in the Old Testament. But what was the purpose of it? The purpose of tithing was so that the temple or tabernacle could function. 
And it was so that the priests could do the priestly job without any other distraction. The priests weren't allowed to earn. They weren't allowed to have land. They weren't allowed to have crops or cattle. So the tithe of the people who were allowed to work supported the priests and the temple. Do you get that? That was the purpose of it. So the regular giving that people give to us as a church enable us to function. It enables us to function. It enables us to plan a little bit. We can pay the bills. We can pay those who are working for us. We can employ some staff. You know, so if 10 people are working and tithing, then we can employ somebody because 10 people at 10% makes 100%. We can employ somebody. We are looking to employ a youth worker at some point soon-ish. We want to employ a children and families worker at some point soon-ish. That becomes easier when we can plan. So that's where tithing is helpful. Each year, we try and have a gift day, which is what we're saying today, which is about the extra we want to do as a church community. So the extra we want to do as a church community can't always come out of the regular giving because it, sometimes we have just enough. Before COVID, we had to stop all spending just to make sure that we could deal with the people that we had and to deal with the people that we were, were serving and to deal with other things and to pay the bills. So on June the 7th, the signs should be going up. Hooray. So they've cost around £1,000. So that's £1,000 just for signs. Okay? That's good, but it couldn't come out of our regular giving because at the time, we weren't meeting. The first floor kitchen is now underway. That means the whole of that first floor will be finished. That's going to cost us about £3,500. But we've been able to start it. The drum cage is in hand. Some of you think, well, what's a drum cage? We can have a proper drum kit, which sounds okay, and it doesn't deafen us. That's about £1,000 as well. A feasibility study into the downstairs annex next door to make sure we can see structurally if we can knock a wall out and a lift plan so we can have a lift that can go up and down the floors and a plan to deal with the very top floor, we need a feasibility study by a structural engineer to do that. That's going to cost us, I think, around £3,000, £2,000. And then the next big item we have is the car park and rear wall. Four years ago, four years ago we were given a price, two years ago we were given a price of £30,000 to sort the car park out, sort the wall out, make it look nicer, make it better for our neighbours. But can you see how that can't come, even if we're all tithing? It's a struggle. We're reliant on, on God's grace. And actually, as we've done these gift days, we've been blown away by people's generosity. I am going to finish. <laughs> the Bible in this section talks about heart issues generosity of heart not holding on tightly to stuff and this morning maybe you're holding on to revenge maybe there's a feeling of you've been hurt and you want to hurt somebody and we might not even do it intentionally but in terms of prayer this morning if you want to receive prayer I believe it's for that heart issue of that hurt that you're holding on to of that hurt that's perhaps damaged and perhaps caused pain I believe that God wants you to say give it to me put it in my hand but also, as we take our collection in a short while, I want to invite you to think, what could I give? What could I give? Not for 
Spring Mount to line its pockets because that's not what it's about. It's so that we can glorify God in our town. You know, I get excited about the things as a church we're involved in and the things as a church that we were able to achieve and do. And actually, it does depend on, it depends on God first and foremost. And we depend on God's stirring hearts for us to be able to, to move forwards. So can I just encourage you to, as we, as we finish with some worship and as we give our collection, can I encourage you just to say, God, what is it you want me to give? It might be that today you're not in a position to do so. But you can perhaps see Paul afterwards. He's very confidential. You can speak to Paul and say, look, can't do today, but... It might be you've not got anything. There's no obligation. There's no arm twisting. There's no, if you don't get something in this collection before you leave here, then we're not letting you leave. No, that's not going to happen. We just want you to say, okay, God, what can I give? Because, you know, God gave everything. God gave Jesus. And today we believe as a church we want to glorify him. We want to see him lifted high. We want to see his work continued in our town, yeah? So, let's deal with the issues of the heart. We're going to worship. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a God who knows the the past, the future, the present. And I pray that we'll hold lightly to those things. Father, I pray as we come to give our, our offering to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'll just show us what we can give. Show us where we could perhaps, even the smallest thing, God, if given with the right attitude, you love it. So, Father God, I pray this morning that you will stir our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.